What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. Today on the show, we are joined by Brian Leonard. Brian is an engineer by trade who always knew he'd be an entrepreneur one day. He started his career working at IBM and spent his downtime building mobile apps for the newly launched App Store at the time. Brian's first crack at entrepreneurship started 10 years ago when he quit his job at IBM and co-founded a company called TaskRabbit. You may have heard of them. They are one of the first big name startups to come out of the gig economy alongside Uber and Airbnb. They're an on-demand platform for hiring people to do everything from picking up your groceries, standing in line for you at the Apple store, or helping you build your IKEA furniture. The company was a huge success, raising $38 million from big names like Founders Fund, First Round. I think Tim Ferriss was an early investor as well. The company grew from 13 to 65 in just a few years and was later acquired by IKEA in 2017. Brian remained on board as the company grew and expanded to bigger markets, and today the platform is used by millions of people around the globe. Brian is now on to his next entrepreneurial venture. He's currently the CEO and co-founder of Grouperu. We'll get into the weeds a bit later, but Grouperu is building tools that empower marketers to do their best work. So Brian, thanks a lot for uh, for being here. You you reached out to us to be uh, on the podcast, which was super humbling to us. We're still super early in kind of our, our journey, um, just just really starting to, to get going here. So you're guest number two. Um, really, really pumped to, to have you on the show. I wasn't really aware of open source as kind of like the smart tech industry. Um, so I kind of really got deep into it, uh, kind of leading up to, to the show itself. So um, yeah, thanks a lot for being here. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So um, let's let's kind of start off there. So I'm I'm kind of curious to get your take on what you see as the big differences between kind of the existing Martech world today, where like most companies are SaaS based, private SaaS tools, and this like open source uh, world of Martech. I know that like normal software kind of doesn't include the source code, and open source has the source code released. Modifications, customizations are all kind of encouraged. But like, what does that mean in the context of of Martech? Yeah, so you know the the quite literal definition uh, is definitely that when you run the code that you're running, uh, you get the source to it. That can come in many different in many different ways, though. Maybe you, it's still SaaS and you're not running it, but you know what is running. Uh, so at, at the heart, it's all about control and trust. Uh, so you could run it yourself. You know what what is running. You can host it within your own data environment, giving you more control over, over what you have. You're giving away to outside parties, for example, in compliance-based industries like medical, we're seeing some, some interesting adoption. Even the ones that are running in the SaaS, it's about really understanding how it works, knowing nothing shady is going on, and trusting the people that are, are running it. Gotcha. So you're relying on this this community of folks to kind of like iterate on on the future of, of the tool itself. You know, it's interesting around the, the sense of control, Brian. I want to ask a little bit more about that because I think as marketers, we often end up with this black box. We don't really understand what's happening. We ship things over to our biz ops team or rev ops team or the technical teams to help us work through that. In terms of putting the code into, into the organization's hand, the, the trust you know, factor is huge, obviously. The benefits in terms of uh, the, the privacy, those are really interesting as well. What are some of the other benefits of open source that people should be thinking about? I think, you know, when we talk to marketers, I talk to 
hundreds of marketers um, when we started uh, thinking about getting into this space and understanding the, the pain they were having. And more than anything, they talked to me about getting the data they needed to be successful. Mm. The thing that I think open source helps with, like it's not like the marketer is going to go in and read the code. And it's like, oh, I see what you did there. Like it's not, <laughs> that's not what it's about. Yeah. Uh, to some degree, I think it's an interesting approach to solving this rift of sorts that, that exists between marketers and engineers. Mm. The engineers are the ones that prefer, generally speaking, to know what's going on. They don't like sending the data out. They like controlling what's happening. They like having flexibility with how the stack can be controlled. Mm -hmm. So if we can use an open source approach to come together between those two things, we're solving more than anything an organizational problem that that is really hounded me and many others um, over over the years. I, I just don't think the world needs another SaaS solution to send your data out and then to do uh, things with it. There's there's that icon chart or whatever it is of like 8,000 that just came out again. Like yeah. it went from seven to 8,000 and the guy's like giving up. Like it's just too many. <laughs> yeah. uh, we call it the MarTech landscape of doom. Exactly. And so, you know, do, do we really need one more of those more or less working in the same way or can we follow this trend that has happened over the years of more and more things are running in your own environment and they're doing it with, with open source? And it started with operating systems and now databases and now we're seeing full applications that allow you to control your destiny from within your own world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think one of the default problems that just as you were speaking, I'm thinking of is we go to that MarTech landscape of doom because it's an easy option for marketing. And, and it's almost easier sometimes than talking to the development team. So the way you described it, I sense of the open source model gets product teams and marketing teams talking about the underlying infrastructure. And that seems to be a core part of, of uh, deploying an open source model. Would you agree with that? Definitely. I think if, if the engineers can buy into what it is, and that thing then enables the marketing team to have some autonomy uh, to be successful, um, that's sort of one of our core uh, theses. Another piece is about cost. If I was to start a company that was trying to solve these same problems 10 years ago, I probably would have made a SaaS thing too, because I had to invest as a company extra data resources to be able to store a billion events. Mm -hmm. If I was someone like Segment, for example. But the ability to store a billion events now is actually quite easy within systems like Google Cloud and AWS and, and things like that. Yeah. And so by installing open source code, running it within your environment, it's significantly cheaper and you don't have, you know, I'm, I'm more or less obsessed with these organizational challenges. You don't have, because it's cheaper, you don't have this thing that happens so often with, with marketing data where you start setting a bunch of events and then you're like, that's great. Now the engineering team won't have to worry about it for a while because we're sending everything. And then you get the bill and you're like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. Oh my God. All right. So then, then the, the VPE or something like that will say, all right, we got to cut this back. What are you really using? And so then you audit what you're really using for a week and then you get it back on the engineer's roadmap to trim that down. That takes a couple of weeks. And then a month later, you're like, oh, we needed that thing, didn't we? That no. was a good idea. And it's just this like roller coaster, like stock chart looking thing of like pain and highs and lows and costs. And if, if everything is in-house, and at least has the ability to run in-house, we think there's, a, there's the chance to align those incentives um, just a whole lot better and be more effective.
Yeah, fascinating. You know, you described my life a couple of years ago, actually, with the VP of engineering. And I'm sure I was that irritating marketer and I plan to be that irritating marketer again in the future. Talking organizationally, like one of the things that I think is interesting, somebody I've never worked with open source tools. So full disclosure there. What do you see as like the organizational structure to have these types of tools in place? Like what, what needs to change in the standard, you know, for instance, SaaS startup environment? Yeah, so, you know, there's there's two... There's two possible ways uh, to go when you're when you're working with open source code, because the code is open, you can run that in your own environment. And the other is like it's open, and there's some community engagement, and the developers are a little more into it. And but it's still SaaS, like you're still going to pay someone uh, to run it. More or less the same vibe as the other SaaS providers if you run the the hosted version of it, except there's this like free and liberal spirit, and the engineers are excited, and maybe if there's a bug. And, or they need a new integration, they can contribute that back to the platform um, or something like that. So that's, that's super helpful. But running it within your own environment, which we think is a, is a big trend, we're seeing people run uh, open source uh, Slack in something called uh, Mattermost. Uh, we're seeing Metabase, it's an open source uh, analytics tools. People are running these kinds of things within their own, their own world. It's really about engineering notion of uh, DevOps is what they call it. Uh, basically, the ability to spin up a server, uh, say, uh, in your Amazon system and run that. It's not that different conceptually than what it might mean to, um, you know, what we did with in marketing with uh, WordPress uh, a few years ago, right? You know, like we're going to run an instance of WordPress in our in, in our environment. That's super cool. So like traditionally open source has evolved from like this developer community, right? Like I was, I was reading a bunch of articles on it, uh, kind of reading leading up to the podcast. And I found this one cool article from MarTech Today, uh, which kind of presents the argument that um, open source model might not be ideal for MarTech specifically. Like the argument they make is that the most successful open source projects in the past have tended to be developer oriented, developers kind of building tools for other developers. So like this community of like people building stuff for other people that are also contributing to building it. So in this case, like the end user is often going to be a marketer or a marketing ops person. And in some cases that marketer like is far removed from the developer role. Do you, like, I'm guessing you completely disagree with that argument. Yeah, I mean, it would it would certainly seem uh, like I do. Um, you know, and that's where it starts. Like, the, the original Apple computer was built by Wozniak and, you know, assisted by Jobs for, like, their little club of people in, in Palo Alto, right? It wasn't a huge thing. And so things always start small, building it for people like them, but these things grow. And, you know, like I said, you're seeing huge uh, applications uh, that are installed by developers most often, but used by other people. A big trend here is data teams uh, being more and more important in companies uh, and, and that growing. And they have their own set of engineers and their own sort of budgets. And the marketing operations team slash data team are there to enable the success of the rest of of the business, you know, when 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 those things are better aligned organizationally, uh, you see better ideas coming out of it. And I think open source is is a good example. There's this like Stockholm syndrome thing we've seen, where a CMO will come in say, "Well, we have to use we have to use Braze because that's what I used at my last company, and it's really great and it's perfect." The VP or something will say, "All right, all right, that's good. Um, we'll look into that," and then. 
six months into being hired, they're like, how's that going? And they're like, well, you know, we got lots to do. Um, you know, what, what's the, what's the benefit of this? And like, there's there's lots of benefit. We need to acquire and retain people and all this other stuff. And then eight months into it, they're just like, you know what, whatever you're willing to integrate for me, that's, that's fine. Uh, I just, I just want to send a card abandonment email here. Let's, let's just make this, this happen. And so the gatekeepers are those engineers, um, and those people that, need to enable them with data. And as teams are created to do that, as data teams grow, as options that speak to those engineers like open source come up, we think that more than anything, be looking into solving uh, that, that organizational problem. Like in, in, in most companies that I've ever worked with, like marketing and engineers are usually like focused on two completely different things. And in yeah. a lot of cases, like engineers don't like interfacing with marketers because marketers are like selling product or thought of as being like really fluffy and kind of in the, in uh, yeah. not in the weeds or whatever. So right. like you talk a lot about this, like marriage between the two departments and how it should be thought of less as like the engineering roadmap and the marketing roadmap and more of like the company roadmap. And if marketing is missing data to do some critical things in terms of engagement with customers, like it shouldn't be this type of debate. Like how can we get more engineering resources to help us with this? So open source can kind of like help um, solve that. Can you, you dive into that a bit? Sure. So it's all about working as a whole organization coming together to solve these uh, data problems that enable the business. And on a Monday, I was a, you know, a executive, a CTO, a co-founder at TaskRabbit. Uh, I was in charge of uh, more than just the, the dorky tech stacks. And so I would approve a marketing budget, a million dollars to move retention. And then on a Thursday, I'd say like our, uh, someone would come to me and say, all right, so great, let's, let's do this thing. We need this data into Marketo to be able to solve this problem. And then we're going to move the number and it's going to be great. And I'm like, oof. Can't help you there. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, oh, what, about the, what about the goal? And I'm like, oh, I believe in the goal. I, I know you'll figure it out. And then two weeks later, it's like, oh, okay, here's a, here's a CSV. And basically, I just got tired. It's just a rational behavior from a business perspective. So a lot gets lost when engineers and marketers think of themselves as doing different things. We're all here to move the business goals. And so the right thing to do is engage together to power the right stack for the whole business to be successful. But we're learning and we have a hypothesis that we need to meet those engineers where they are and open source can help with that. And so if we can get them excited with the right stack, that is a great architecture that the integration takes one day uh, instead of five weeks with the, uh, the new provider you wanna add. And it's easier to add more in the future uh, we think that is net net going to, you know, win for everybody. Gotcha. So I'm I'm trying to imagine like um, an engineer who's like already got this pre-built stack from like existing SaaS tools that are private tools today. And like maybe they've been using it with segments for like many years. So there's a lot of historical data. How do you get that engineer excited or convince that business to like consider this open source world and like doing a whole migration and pivot off of their current uh, existing world? Yeah. So the way, uh, you know, I know a lot about the psychology of engineers. Uh, if you're trying to, you know, this is a marketing podcast, right? So, you know, we'll talk about it from the other side. Like if we're going to trick these people into doing some stuff, how are we going to do it? And what you never say is what you said, which is it's a whole big thing. 
It's all about in incrementalism and setting yourself up for the future. Engineers, more than anything, like to take a little step into it and make sure that this is the right thing, often for the business and that, the, you know, it's working the way they want. And they also love to pat themselves on the back six months later. I think we all want to do that. It's like a, mm -hmm. it's like a Ponzi scheme. Like future Brian is going to thank me for the decisions I'm making today. <laughs> like I'm, marketers do that too. Mm -hmm. And so these, these points particularly come up when there's a reason to switch to a new platform. You know, maybe you're upgrading from MailChimp to iterable and weeks of work to do anyway or your team is focusing on retention and new, sort of new focus on retention. And it's about their product behavior and driving more of that. Just because you're integrated with Segment now doesn't necessarily mean you have all the data necessary to do that. In fact, it's a, it's a super challenge because you've been sending events to Segment. First of all, were you sending the right data to Segment? Probably not because you pared it down to save money like I talked about before mm -hmm. yeah. for that new thing. And B, when you start sending it new, that new thing to segment, you don't really have the historicals there. Let's send everybody that bought a razor last month a coupon for razor blades. Oh, we didn't. We didn't. We weren't sending the the, the category with our with our purchase data. All right, so let's get that on the roadmap. Let's let's just pretend there's this magical world where we can immediately get that on the roadmap, and it's not going to be put on a spreadsheet for the end of the quarter. Uh, true stories, right? Yeah. Um, I, I was making the spreadsheets. I, I'm trying to change things. I'm, I'm, I'm reformed. Love um, so even if we started sending that right today, we'd still wait a month to get a month's worth of people to, to get that data. You know, not, not as much about open source, but about the things that I'm passionate about and the, and the tools that we're making are more about leveraging the data from your data warehouse and sending that to your, your tool like iterable instead of, of relying on, on events. That's gonna be very enticing to the, the engineering team because we're leveraging the warehouse that's already has the source of truth mm -hmm. and the notion of syncing that with iterable instead of adding these stories up to send events um, will be very, very attractive. And they can leverage the work they've already done. And then the next time they need to do something or you need more data, what does this tool do? Does it allow you to get your own data? Like, how great is that? You don't even have to talk to them. And so, you know, maybe this relationship goes best when we have the same goals, but we don't have to talk as much either. Like, that's, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's, uh, that's how it is, uh, you know, with some of my uncles, you know, it's, 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 we're, we're very friendly, but like, it's, it's best if we, you know, stay focused on our own stuff. So pitching this general story of like, this is going to save you time now. It's going to be the right architecture for the future, and it's going to make us more self-sufficient um, is what we're seeing uh, resonate with a lot of people as they talk to the engineering team. I appreciate the explanation there as well. I feel I, I felt like a noob coming in in the open source world. I feel more and more excited about the idea of this as uh, somebody who hasn't put my hands on this type of tech very at all in my own career. So let me tease out just some of the value propositions that, that I thought that you hit upon, and, and let me confirm if you agree with those, the, the idea of future-proofing your tech stack. You're not just stuck in one system sending data to a bunch of other systems. If you cancel your subscription, boom, moves over. You don't have to worry about this. Basically extending your entire tech stack, right? Not just looking at you know, single sources, multiple sources, or whatever you want to call it, like actually compiling a single source of truth organizationally and having it reside with the tech experts. Whereas like in my experience, I've always seen like you put a tool like a Marketo or a HubSpot in front of an engineering team and they don't want to touch it. They don't 
want to go near that tool. Nobody wakes up, no engineers, probably nobody, but certainly I can only speak for engineers. No engineer wakes up in the morning just like, oh, what a great day. I just can't wait to sync with Marketo. (laughs) 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 Oh man, that 50K a day rate limit in me, or we're just going to dance. Like, it's not fun. No, This is not what they want to do. Open source historically, uh, this is just one example, has taken things that were frustrating, that were hard, that were nuanced, and made them easy for these engineering teams. And I just don't see why uh, marketing can't be you know, on that list. It's interesting. I feel more and more talking to you, I feel like actually the, the challenge, and hopefully you poised it this way at one point, was you know, how do we get development and engineering on board? I actually think it might be the other way. I think us marketers need to catch up a little bit on the tech side and understand what are we working with here? How can we better empower our engineering teams to give us the things that we're requesting anyways and being demanding and sassy as we tend to be? Would you agree, Brian? Yeah, I mean, it's, the, it's that story of, you know, we're all in this uh, for the same, the same reason. You know, the marketing team has a goal of, uh, you know, moving acquisition or, or, or retention or whatever it is. I think it's always been helpful to me as a, as a CTO coming to me with, you know, sort of a proposal. And the more that proposal fits in with the current way that that, uh, that company does business and, and runs their tech stack, uh, the better. I want to make sure that we, we, we learn a little bit more about Group Aru. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as we were doing research on, on this episode, it, obviously it's, it's near and dear to your heart. Talk us through the problem that you, you are looking to solve with Grouperu and how you've seen that in other organizations. And then, you know, what is, what is Grouperu and why, why should all of us marketers be paying attention right now? Yeah, so Grouperu is a uh, kangaroo-themed group building tool for, for segmentation and getting your data, like I've been talking about, in all of the tools that, that you're using. You know, we see it as through open source, uh, through controlling your data, uh, making it possible to really empower the engineering teams to get these integrations done faster and therefore the marketing teams to be able to be successful. I think it's especially exciting if the marketing teams can self-serve their data. Mm-hmm. So in the same way that at my last company, uh, when we added a tool called Looker, which allowed our operations teams to ask questions themselves of the database, the data teams were freed up to do other things and operations teams became smarter about how our our company was running. We think it's super exciting that the marketer could go in and define new properties that they want to put in, say HubSpot or Mercado, define those groups that and what it means to be, say, high value, sync those over with Salesforce and Zendesk. Use that same definition to, of high value, let's say, to route those tickets smarter, to uh, contact the right people uh, through their marketing automation platform, and in general, take control of, of their, their stack. I, I, like I am, there's obviously a lot to unpack here in in the tool. Like one one of the things that that jumped out at me um, as you're kind of explaining that is this idea of lists, like having a source of truth for your lists. Like in this compliance world of of GDPR, like so many marketers have so many different versions of lists. Like who is our yes. existing active customers? Like it's different in Salesforce, it's different in HubSpot, it's different in Zendesk. Like 
who knows like what that actual list is. So like, is, is that like one of the use cases, like being able to have one central spot where you can manage all your compliance and all your lists, like you can really trust that that is like the list to go with it, I guess. Exactly. And, and it's something that prevents you from really using the tool you want and sticking with the status quo, right? Like you've got all of your data syncing over to sail through. It's, it's all there. That's great. And you've got all of these uh, lists uh, built up about, you know, dynamic smart lists, uh, I think sail through column, you know, of, of people that have live in this country and have bought this thing and, and all those sorts of things. And now you're thinking about looking at a, at a new platform. A, we've got the integration that the engineers would need to do. And B, we've got all of these definitions that really mean something to our business that we have to uh, port over by A, making the integration days instead of weeks, um, mm -hmm. maybe even just clicks uh, a group or to switch to a new platform. You just click and say, now I want to sync that stuff over to Braze. And B, centrally defining those lists, uh, we see it being super powerful. So you get that up and running on that new thing really quickly. And then you can share that definition. Let's say you change what high value means. You can share that definition, not only with like your push provider and your email provider and your NPS service and your customer support tool, but we're seeing people use it within the product themselves. And so the marketer is controlling what it means to be about to churn or high value. And the product dashboard is asking, because it's all in our own system, internal, right? One of the benefits of the open source deployment mm -hmm. model the product now is changing the dashboard for that high value user or showing them that coupon for razor blades mm -hmm. um, right there in the product because they exist on a list called show these people razor blades or high value. And the marketer is the one defining uh, what that means. And so they're personalizing uh, through, through centralized segmentation. When you do send that out, one final thing, cause you noted on compliance, and privacy. So there's this huge trend. Um, you know, the medical industry has had this kind of things for a long time for very good reasons. But with GDPR and CCPA and these other kinds of things, in general, we're seeing an interest to really control what is going out to the providers. And so, A, a tool like this gives you a choke point of exactly what we're sending out to all our providers. That's super helpful. We can stop that. If, they, if someone opts out, our tool will automatically delete them, for example, super good. And B, less data is leaving your environment to begin with. Mm. Because you used to send someone's address, LTV and purchase history to Marketo so that over there you could make a uh, smart list of you know, high value barrier customers. But now we're defining that internally. And now it's just like syncing over who's on that list. It's just like you had the, the most effective intern possible consistently every minute exporting that CSV and loading it into Marketo. Uh, and as someone buys something up, oh, they're like, oh, you need to export and load again. And so now they're continuously updating that thing. Basically, the only actual profile data you need in Marketo is something you want to use in the emails. Like, hey, you know, bracket, bracket, first name. Uh, and, you know, you can choose what, what that is. And we're seeing that help with compliance um, to privacy and uh, 
other other laws. So that's so cool. Like it's all such a huge problem that's in the marketplace. Obviously, you know it probably better than us in terms of your previous role as well. I just want to, you know, put myself in the shoes of our listeners that they they heard about Grouparoo, they decide that they want to deploy it in the organization. They want to champion this on the marketing side. You know, for a lot of marketers, we don't know much about development and engineering. We don't want to be like Michael Scott and just walk over to engineering and be like, I declare I need help. And hopefully, some yeah, how's engineers... that? How's that worked out for you in the past? <laughs> oh, fantastic. They love me. They love me over in the dev team. Totally. Oh my um, gosh. So, so, so help me understand. Um, and maybe for our audience as well, like help us understand how do we bridge this gap and how do we get a group of ruin in our organization? Yeah, I think it's not that hard to have very empathetic conversations with marketers in this space. Uh, it's like, you know, you know how you can't get the data you need and it's, it's like, you know, really stressing you out and it kind of sucks. And you know, they're like, yeah, I know about that. <laughs> um, but then what's next? It's exactly the right question. And, you know, what's not 100% successful, uh, very low success, uh, as, as you probably already know, is going over to engineering and saying, I need this tool. Like that's no, that's no different than it was before. I'm all, you know, as a builder of this community, I'm all for saying going over to the, the engineering and saying like, we need this tool. But, you know, I definitely, th it's about the use cases. Like we've got this big campaign coming up, you know, we're going to need data to do that. Historically, what has happened in my experience is on the product side, we're running tests. Uh, we're running this funnel test. We're gonna change, we're gonna put like these faces next to the button and say like, this guy liked it, social proof. And someone says, is that a good idea? The engineer or the PM or something like that will say, it doesn't matter if it's a good idea. We're just gonna run an A-B test and we, we can't predict. We're just gonna run an A-B test and see what happens. Like we're gonna try 30 shades of blue and see what's right. Like let's, let's just let the data drive us. You fast forward two weeks, the marketer says, hey, I need this piece of data for this retention campaign into, into Marketo. And the PM says, but is that a good idea? What, what percentage growth do you think you'll see from that? Like, I don't know. Like, let's just try it. Uh, now, I'll put it on that spreadsheet I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's just not the same. And I just don't see why it's not the same. And so one road that I've seen be successful is changing the conversation from we need this data in Marketo to we want to switch from being able to do one test a quarter to one test a week. Mm. And we need infrastructure that enables that. And success in moving acquisition and retention, it doesn't look like these huge win tests, huge, like amazing tests. It looks, it's not like a layered cake. It's like tiny, thin layers of delicious baklava layered on top of each other. And to be successful, we need to do a test a week or as quickly as possible. And so how can we do that and changing the conversation to that? The other is we've got this huge campaign and we're going to need to switch providers. You know, it's going to take a while to do that. And, you know, Grouperu is an opportunity to be like many other open source projects, which is you Google how to do this when you're the engineer. Right now, there's five different ways to meet with a sales guy to do this. And it's not, it's not what they want to do. When there's an open source solution to solve a problem better than they can solve it, and there's the business need, it tends to win. And so, you know, I'm, I'm talking on podcasts like this just to get this top of mind for when those moments uh, come out. 
So cool. I wanted to, um, yeah, we're, we're kind of close on time here. So I wanted to maybe end on a, on a lighter note. Uh, I, I was doing some research and I found this blog post that, that interviewed you and asked you a couple of funny questions. We, we joke on the show because I, I worked with John at a previous company and John was known for being the guy that doesn't wear shoes in the office. So I thought it was hilarious that I read that for a full summer, you didn't wear shoes, even going into the grocery stores. So can you talk about that? <laughs> I think that was the summer after senior year of high school. You know, I think, I don't know if I was like some sort of rebellion or some sort of like looked forward to a whole life of working in offices and wanted to have this one last time or, or something. I don't know what it was exactly, <laughs> but like I went to a graduation party and like didn't wear shoes and like standing in the grass and eating, eating the burgers or whatever it was. And it was like, that was nice. And then like, I just let it ride. Didn't have a you know, a real job. I had like a, a dorky kind of like on my computer kind of job and just uh, just let that go. And uh, at some point I started reading about like that might not have been the best sanitary choice. You know, you know what's really bad? The grocery <laughs> aisle, the grocery aisle for coldness reasons. The floor on the um, is really cold. And two, I can't even, I mean, I'm, I'm a parent now and I can't even imagine myself looking back. Uh, but either way, <laughs> it's the... It's the movie theater floor. It's just, it's sticky and it's not good. You know, you don't want to do that. Uh, so, you know, some mistakes were made, but I, I feel like I was free in those moments. I, I, admire, I admire the commitment. I have to say, my, uh, we're up in Canada. So like uh, my commitment to no shoes does go through the winter and everybody wears their shoes in the office. Whew. So you got to, you become very adept at dodging these little brown piles of water across the office. And you've always bring, like, <laughs> you got to bring an extra pair of socks. I'm not so hardcore that I go sockless, so. Yeah, I do know. I lived in Boston for a while. I am aware of the, the office shoes and the commute shoes thing. Mm -hmm. um, I did that, uh, you know, the boots, but then you changed into Chuck Taylor's that I, I would change into when I got into the office. I see. I eliminated a pair of shoes for my life. So there you go. Um, so the one question we ask everybody who comes on the podcast episode uh, or the podcast is, is your secrets to being happy at work. You seem like a really happy guy. You're really upbeat. You're telling awesome stories. What to, to our listeners, how do you say stay happy in your own career? Wow, existential. I thought we were just talking about data stuff. That's good. <laughs> um, I think there, there's a book called Drive. It says the, the secret to success is around purpose. Like what are you working on that really is important to you? Mastery. I think about that uh, as like craftsmanship. Like, you know, wh what I'm doing, uh, I'm getting a lot better at. And autonomy, how much power do I have over what I'm actually working on? One of the ideas with Group Brew is actually uh, one of our original thoughts and slogans was around marketing autonomy. How can we help uh, marketers achieve, uh, you know, the, this thing at the top of the hierarchy of needs or something like that. Mm. And in that world, when I, when the advice I've given to some people I've mentored and stuff is that like, you know, I founded this, uh, this company, I was an engineering manager for a long time. I managed a bunch of engineers. I didn't particularly like it. I, I had a lot to learn. I wasn't particularly good at it. And more than anything, I wasn't thinking about, I'd, I'd wake up in the morning or I'd sit, on my, sit at my computer and I wasn't thinking about, you know, one of my engineers' career. I was thinking about uh, the database scaling or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't good for me and it wasn't good for them. Uh, and so we, we hired a... VPE, Vice uh, President of Engineering, and I, I transitioned to, uh, you know, Chief Architect kind of role, uh, CTO. 
thinking about those things and helping the team uh, build the right things and grow. And in that process, something I thought was super useful that I did, we each wrote our own job descriptions for ourselves and for the other person and then kind of compared notes as a way of aligning how this was going to work in our, in our partnership. I realized that the, to some degree, the secret of, of autonomy and mastery and purpose uh, is A, working on something that is important. And at TaskRabbit, we were super excited about making jobs for a lot of people, basically. And at Grouper, I'm super excited about helping uh, all of the, the marketers and engineering teams work together better. Mm-hmm. But then the other two are around literally finding a way to write your own job description, how it leads up to that purpose, and what I want to master, and how that fits into everything. And uh, when those things happen, it's hard not to be happy. Cool. Well, that's such a good answer. I love that. I love the self-awareness as well in terms of recognizing what you like and, you know, hiring that uh, VPE to, to take on and, and help your team accelerate where you are looking to accelerate somewhere else. So th- thanks so much for the great answer. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your time today, Brian. It was, uh, it was awesome. So for the listeners, check out Grouper, grouper.com. Uh, they uh, got the domain for it. So um, check it out. Congrats on uh, launching this year. I was just checking your your page out on, on Product Hunt. Uh, made a nice big splash on, on launch day. So looks really cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to giving it a, a trial run as well. But uh, thanks a lot for your time, Brian. Really appreciate it. Thank you.